dropped your popcorn onto the floor. I reached down to help you pick it up, but you said you'd get it yourself, so you pulled yourself down on the floor. It got weird because you couldn't get back up, so I danced while you laid there. I danced while you laid there. I danced while you laid there with popcorn in your hair. I danced while you laid there around your chair with popcorn in your hair. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Thomas Queter running for the 52nd district of New York State. Tom for 52.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and sometimes forgotten F-15 fighter jets. We are going to have on a very special guest tonight, um, Mr. Thomas Queter. But uh, before we get to all that, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to go over, and uh, let's get to it. All right, so I am bootleg libertarian. This is not a real libertarian podcast, and you are not a real libertarian. Because there's no such thing, they don't exist, and my, my guest and I will prove that. But uh, but going into that, we've got some things you need to do. Yes, you, watching. You need to go like, subscribe, comment, share, do all the things that are before you. Just do the things. I can see him down there grinning. <laughs> but um, yes, comment, like, subscribe. That helps with the algorithm. It helps us. So therefore, in turn, it helps me get better content to you faster. Um, and if you don't like this show, do it anyways, because I don't I don't care what you like. I have fun. And uh, a lot of other people have fun, so do it for them. But we have got an ad read from a guy who's weird about his dog. Jack Casey. And theroyalgreen.com. Uh, he's got two books he's written. He's trying to figure out how to get Crayon to write the third book, which is uh, coming any day now. Um, apparently, it's hard to write a few hundred pages when it's only in Crayon. Go find us on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify. Listen on Google Podcasts. One more thing is do a, a call-in on anchor.fm slash not a real libertarian. If you want to leave a, uh, a voice message and ask myself or my guest tonight, Mr. Thomas Queter, a question. If you want to be crazy, do that as well. 
there's uh, there's no screening these, and I will pretty much update it up until we start doing them, and I'll update it one more time while we're doing them, and that's it. If you get missed, that's your own fault. You've got uh, about probably 30 minutes for uh, we'll get to that segment, so that's on you. And we've also got Miss This Guy, Thomas Queter. Tom for 52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2. And the rumor has it, if you say Tom for 52.com three times, he appears. So uh, Tom for 52.com. Tom for 52.com. Tom for 52.com. Holy shit. How's it going, Bullock? <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> uh, how you doing today? Uh, better than yesterday, um, as you're aware. I, I cracked my ribs on a road trip recently, and uh, sitting up with these things is difficult. But uh, today's a little easier than yesterday. Tomorrow will be a little easier than today. That's that's usually true. It usually does get easier to do uh, as time goes on. So, uh, what do you want to open with? Wow. I don't know. What do you want to open with? <laughs> uh, that's just me pawning off all responsibility because I'm lazy and I'm an idiot. Um, no. So you're, you're running for uh, New York Senate, for state Senate, not federal Senate, in the 52nd right. District. Um, so what do you think? Uh, let's let's start with this. Who, uh, who are you running against? Uh, so far, it looks like one opposer, Rich Davis, um, mayor of Binghamton, the biggest city and district, Republican. He's running on lowering taxes. Uh, interesting thing. You know what he's done his entire tenure as mayor? Increase taxes? Raise taxes. <laughs> uh, that there is inkling of, a, of someone seeking the dumb line, but uh, I know who that is, and I'm not worried. So, um, let's see. I'm just just going through some comments here, see if we have any questions. We don't. So, my next question to you is, what do you think the number one issue in uh, District 52 is? Ra- lowering taxes or? Uh, it's it's the general economy and the livability of our residents. Um, taxes go up. Jobs go away. Um, our young people are moving out for other opportunities. Of course, this is New York. Post COVID nineteen, almost every freedom we have has been eroded, and and we need to really make sure that we're focusing on allowing individuals and small businesses to thrive, because we lost over a hundred thousand small businesses in New York State in the first six months alone of lockdown pandemic situation, And, and if we don't do something to bring that back. We're just going to continue to suffer more and more every election cycle. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people uh, had noticed that as COVID, you know, as the lockdown started and really started digging in, um, congratulations on what a year and a half of 14 days to flatten the curve. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of businesses shut down. So what is it at the at the state Senate level you think could be done to uh, help bring back New York's economy? Well, for one, we, we can we can remove a lot of the barriers to entry of the workforce, making it easier for employers to find employees. Um, 
in my particular district and many other upstate districts, we have an awful lot of agricultural production potential. Uh, we used to actually produce, but these days, as you drive around, you know, you might find a farmhouse that's been kept up, maybe purchased by someone as a vacation home, but the farmland is not producing. The barns themselves have been let go. Um, we, we, we have so much potential to produce that, that it, it's, it's insane not to try. And, and to that note, if you go onto the website and you look at my agricultural policy, you'll, you'll see something called New York Fresh. And, and that's the concept of utilizing New York's already existing health standards for butchery and food production as long as it stays within New York. Produced in New York, sold in New York, consumed in New York. Uh, from my district to New York City, that's a huge benefit. They've got a farm-to-table restaurant movement, and we've got the means of production for the better quality farm-to-table type products that they're seeking. And, and it's insane that we are allowing ourselves to be beholden to federal regulations that only work out for and I'm going to specify large corporate farms, not just corporate farms, but large corporate farms. Um, a beef farmer, for instance, knows that the travel to a USDA-approved butcher alone reduces both the weight of their animal and the quality of their product. We, we saw this worsen through the COVID pandemic with lockdown. Um, you know, it, it should be perfectly okay to use the regular butcher in town where you can have your own meat butchered and eat it yourself. Um, why can't they butcher meat for resale? We don't see any health problems with all of the many people who, who have their animals butchered there for their own consumption. They don't get sick. So why why are we being beholden to this this forced increase in total cost? Um, that, that also lengthens the amount of time between the production of the product and the receipt of the product. And remember, we're talking about food, right? And if we're talking about restaurant-quality food, that's a very important aspect. How fresh is it? If you know anything about Italian cooking, the number one rule is to use fresh ingredients. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of uh, restaurants tout the uh, uh, farm to table line, like they're like, "Hey, you know, all our food is you know straight off the farm, straight to your table." Um, but meat's really not not really uh, in in most large scale uh, operations. It's that's not the case. Um, I believe you've talked about this before, which is. Um, when a animal goes to get butchered, it goes to a FDA plant where they just kind of check it for half a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, USDA. Uh, yeah, federal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, USDA um, facility where it it gets shipped there, and it's on a conveyor belt out in the open for a couple of seconds. And as it goes by someone, they say, "Okay, yeah, sure, whatever." And then it keeps going, and then it has to get shipped somewhere else. But so what you're talking about is. Um, basically taking out the middleman and just letting it actually be farm to table without the, the middleman, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there are portable butcher shops 
that can come do this, and they do do this for when it's for your own consumption. Um, but they're up to snuff. Nobody gets sick when they do it. Why not let them do that for a direct sales situation? Why not? Yeah, I think uh, I think Virginia actually has a a, a fair, and it's not the same thing, and I understand that. But uh, I think they've actually got a really interesting program, which is uh, uh, like hunters who kill game out in the field um, can call ahead to a butcher shop and have it set up and ready. And however much meat they want to keep out of it, they can. And then uh, the rest of it actually gets donated through a uh, through a charity organization that gives meat to like homeless shelters and stuff like that, or battered women shelters and all the like. And uh, that, that, I think that's a really interesting concept, but, you know, it's not USDA approved, which is, you know, if it's good enough for, for, for you know, regular consumption, why can't we do that for um, just battle right. well, and, and here's the interesting thing, right? Um, the beef that goes through the USDA approval process gets to the restaurant, and the beef that doesn't go through the USDA process gets to the restaurant. Whether or not someone gets sick is ultimately up to the restaurant. Don't you want your chef to know if the meat he's using is bad? Yeah, I mean that's what you would want. I mean, you, and as a as a as a restaurant owner, you would also want the freshest beef you can get as well. Right. So to think that there would be a lapse in quality there is ridiculous, is it not? Yeah. I mean, what happens is a restaurant first time you make a, a room full of people sick? Uh, lawsuits or word of mouth gets around and they shut down either way. Yeah, pretty much your business is done one way or another. Right? Yeah. It is It is their prerogative already to serve healthy food or at least food that won't kill you. Yeah, because, uh, you know, USDA signs off on it and then somebody eats it and they get sick, they're not able to set, uh, to, you know, file a lawsuit against the USDA. They'll say, it's not our fault. You bought it from this place. Well, then the USDA is like, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we do whatever we want to. And then even if a bad piece of meat goes by, it's still on the restaurant owner or, uh, or the butcher shop where you buy from, you know, however it's done. Right. And you know, the, as someone who grew up, around the butchery process um, for, for many different animals. When I go to the grocery store and I go down that meat section and I look at the meat in the packages, all I can think is unhealthy animal after unhealthy animal, sick animal after sick animal. They don't look right. That's not what it's supposed to look like on the inside. Those colors are not natural. So healthy. Is that a is that a symptom of the USDA process, or do you think that's a symptom of uh, like these corporate farms that the USDA has basically created? So it, it's the source of the it, it's a symptom of the, the corporate farms for sure um, to produce a a more tender product, to produce a lighter colored product, to to produce whatever they can advertise or whatever they can grow the fastest. Quality meat doesn't grow that fast. Quality meat needs to stand for a while. Um, beef, for instance, should be a darker red than what we see in the stores. Really should. That's actually something I didn't know. It's interesting. 
So, <clears throat> you've also got something else here we talked about we was going to share here. Um, and one of the biggest things, especially for libertarian campaigns, is that dollar dollar bill, y'all. Um, and the best way that you can throw Tom for 52 some cash is go to uh, Tom52.com slash F FTG. The FTG is a super secret. If you figure it out, you're special. Um, but go buy some of his merch. Um, wheelchairs are not included. Some of the people are. Um, you know, uh, wholesome voluntary cannibalism and all that. Uh, you know, ties. You can have Tom's uh, face on your groin should you choose so. Um, shoes, boxers. You can walk on Tom. <laughs> walk on Tom. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, his his uh, infamous tagline is "I run better than the government," which is interesting because his feet, in fact, are upside down and do not walk. Tom, just so that everybody knows, he's not lying. So for the last couple of weeks, when I've been making fun of Tom and plugging his campaign. And I've been making these sick jokes about a disabled person. Uh, I've not lied once. Uh, Not even a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's the contract he signed is that uh, when I advertise his stuff, I I abuse him. Well, I mean, we're libertarians. (laughs) That is not true because there's no such thing as a real libertarian. So we're all fakertarians. So something people tend to forget. So once you know someone, particularly you've developed a friendship, um, picking on them is inclusion. Um, busting each other's shops, right? That's inclusion. You were in the military. Come on, you know. I mean, uh, how bad was the military? Awful. But how close were you? Uh, yeah, some of those guys I still talk to to this day. And <laughs> it's it's like I never even left. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting. But um, but yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. So Tom Tom's got this great merch store. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff on there. Also, he's got a donate link on uh, TomFor52.com. So go there and donate if you're in the New York area and you want to help out. Go to join us. If you're not in the New York mm, New York area and you still want to help, go to join us because people and money are uh, highly useful. No, absolutely. And it takes money. Um, I, I had a fairly successful campaign despite not winning last cycle. Um, I took 12.4%, which is the highest in New York. I also took over 13,000 votes, again, the highest in New York for the cycle. Um, the the other great thing is that I did raise, with $7,000 of my own money, $37,000. <clears throat> and we spent it well. Um, Registration for the Libertarian Party in New York in my district went up 60% by October. Which, that that just made my heart sick. More libertarians. I'm always trying to create more libertarians. I'm always also trying to encourage more libertarians to run for office. I can't can't seem to think of the last person I tried to encourage. Um, (laughs) Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) I've not announced anything yet, so thanks for ruining that. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't announce anything. <laughs> oh, 
I technically said nothing of substantial value. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, it, and it's great because you, you get to reach out to the communities. You get to to um, visit each and every individual town. That's another thing. If you're going to run a campaign, do it the right way. Canvas the district. Uh, mine is four counties wide. I went to almost every small town in district, mostly rural. Uh, I, I traveled the, the rough roads with broken ribs. It, it's what you do. You you have to be the representative. You have to show up, be seen, be heard, but most importantly, before you're heard, listen to them. Figure out what their problems are, what their issues are. I, I'll never forget, um, I forget her name, but this, this little old lady, goat farmer, had a farm store, and she'd been farming goats for years. Now, during... The lockdown, she wasn't allowed to operate her store, she wasn't doing business, and her property taxes took a $10,000 hike. A $10,000 hike when she can't operate her business. That's ridiculous. Um, in another instance, I'm talking to an old lady in Candor, uh, who is actually herself an advocate for those in nursing homes because the nursing homes need to be kept in line or else they don't do their job. You have to have someone there really, you know, yelling the whole way. That's what it takes. And we were discussing the problems about the nursing homes and her and I were on the same page because I'm a disability advocate, I'm familiar. The nursing homes were in a shit situation before COVID. They had similar problems going on before COVID. Uh, it, just, just, just terrible waste of money. And, you know, um, a friend of my mother's is a metal worker who works with someone who installs the air units for hospitals, nursing homes, and the SBCAs. And this gentleman was so upset because he got hired to install an air filtration system at the SBCA. That's a, there's a shelter for cats and dogs. And it was 10 times the quality of what he installs in nursing homes and hospitals. That's insane. That, that's more than insane. Um, these, these places are over-restrained by regulation. I mean, some of these are government institutions that are over-restrained by regulation. Think about that for a minute. They created the thing, and then they regulated themselves on being able to do the function of the thing. Um, they did the same thing to uh, social workers. But uh, I remember in Binghamton, I was down there for a protest, and the protest started at a park. But uh, there's a gentleman in a manual chair living out of a duffel bag on the park bench. He had been in physical rehab, post-surgical rehab, uh, after having his spine caged. If you're not familiar with what that is, they, they quite literally cut you open along the spine and wrap metal around your spine. Um, he did not have a place to go after rehab. The homeless shelters were shut down. The disability systems were shut down. 
So here's this gentleman just in his spine cage, living outdoors during a pandemic. How did that work, New York? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing that people don't think about, too, is that um, there were many, many people left behind during the pandemic that, you know, wokeism doesn't solve. Uh, it's it's super cool and super woke to be like, oh, mask or die or vax or die. Um, but there's a lot of people who would much rather just get some food than a vaccine because turns out you need food to live and you can still survive without the vaccine. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a rise in suicides. We've seen a rise in domestic violence. Um, they decided to keep the police working, but stop them from actually arresting people or stopping crimes. There's there's two things to look at here. But there's one particular incident where this young adult had a problem with methamphetamine, um, stole and wrecked a car, and instead of arresting him, they gave him an appearance ticket for like six months later. And this gentleman went home and beat up and stabbed his sister and mother and ended up in the psych ward for life, right? Whereas I'm not normally in favor of arresting people for doing drugs, but the fact of the matter is he had stolen and crashed a car. That's something you could probably arrest a guy for. Um, perhaps he wouldn't be facing a life in mental institutions having that on his on his conscience if the police have been able to do their job. So people think that libertarians are against police. That's not true. I have friends who are police officers. Um, one's a peace officer in Syracuse. Another one's a state trooper. And I've known a few here and there. And the fact of the matter is that most police officers align with my perspective on the problems with policing. That they're systemic. It's it's in the hierarchy. It's it's in the protocol. Um, you get you get a little bit of liquor in these guys, and one of the first things they tell you is that they hate that they cannot call out someone they work with who is abusing their power. That's right. I mean, that's gonna hurt if you're a good cop and you're watching bad people abuse their authority, and you can't do anything about it, or you feel like you can't speak out against it. I mean, this is the reason for ending qualified immunity. We should know who these people are that we're paying to walk around our neighborhoods armed. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of cops that want to see policing fixed. Um, it's not like, you know, we hate cops and, you know, ACAB and all that. Um, I've, I've actually gone through a slight little phase of that. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things when you look at the problem, it's not the people who are in the system. The people in the system are actually mostly uh, victims of the system as well. Um, and that's what Cajun and I talked about in the last couple of weeks is uh, the military is the same way. We're victims of that system, of that system of just, you know, violence and just b- uh, betrayal to the people that are beholden to that system. Um, and a lot of people would love to see these things fixed because nobody, like if you talk about being pro-cop, that means that you have to want to, um, push for lower interactions with the police, you know, reducing the number of encounters that an officer has with the general public on a day-to-day basis increases their expectancy to, like, survive their entire uh, career. Right. Without, so, yeah. I, I, you know, I want to point this out. What's pro-cop, right? 
is pro comp <clears throat> being in favor of giving them the power to to create these incidents <clears throat> or these um these um situations of interaction right do we want them to have these interactions over everything and nothing um, or do we want them to have targeted interactions where they actually can do some good there, there's a couple of statistics from New York that I learned uh, between 2018 and 2020 zero police officer had died of direct violence on the job uh, the number one killer of police officers in New York uh, for those two years was, in fact, their own police cruiser, uh, largely high-speed chases. Um, the second highest statistic for police officer death was actually training. Their training was killing more people than bad guys. The third, interestingly enough, was suicide. Suicide is directly linked to areas where they are forced to go after these victimless crimes more. You know, they're they're harming people they know are already in pain. Yeah. Um, so if one thing, cop, shouldn't we change something about those things? Yeah, I mean it's a. It's uh, it's interesting because, um, you, you know, I, I was an MP and I, I would never go civilian policing. But you think about this, you know, c- civilian cops are the first ones, usually the, one of the first people on scene out at a car accident and having to walk up to a scene and having to try and pull people out of a vehicle that may either, may either A, be on fire or B, hanging off the edge of the road and, you know, on some imminent danger or walking up and just seeing an entire family that's just mangled and disfigured and, you know, a a small child in the backseat that's dead. That. I actually have an interesting story because I recently went to Florida and back. And on the way back, we witnessed a pretty bad car wreck. Two cars come up fast from beside us. There was also a road crew and an overhead bridge, and they had a lift, people on the lift, and there was cones. And we're still not sure if one car clipped the other first or if one car slipped on the road cone and then they clipped. Um, but we watched this this little white sports car just disintegrate in front of us. The bodywork went everywhere. Um, and that's pretty much all we saw because there was a big vehicle in front of us. And the police were there. They were on the road crew. And, you know, it's it's a little surreal because it's going to seem one way, but it turned out to be the other. We were watching this this police officer, you know, he he drove up and he got out calmly and he walked calmly to the wreck. And then he come back and he was smiling. And it seemed a little off-putting, right? Like, why is he smiling? And he's smiling and he comes up and he puts his his vest on, right? And and we didn't know this until the kind of end of the situation when we were allowed to pass. But he was smiling because the driver had stepped out of the airbags, right? She was okay. That's why he was smiling, even though it seemed different at the time. And when we think about it, that means that he put his safety gear on after the fact. 
you know, he, he, he was in danger before he put it on. He didn't put it on until he was happy to see them alive. That's a good police officer, in my opinion. That's doing your duty. That's doing your job. And, and to that note, um, down in Florida, I got to say, their fire departments have excellent response time. Within five minutes, there was three large trucks blocking off the area of the accident. I imagine in case there was an explosion, because it just seemed to like be pr- protecting everybody. Awesome. So, <clears throat> we've got a few anchor call-in moments for tonight. Um, one thing I did want to address before we get to that, um, I think this is very important. Because nothing is sacred on this show. Um, T. Marie Liberty and Brian Sutton are having a very intense discussion in the comments section about T. Marie being Brian Sutton's sugar baby. Um, and I just want to call them out because if you're going to do that, I will absolutely call you out because that's hilarious. <laughs> I have no comment. Ha <laughs> uh, ha. Where is it? Let's see. Pay my way and I'll be your date. I don't need a date. Send your qualifications as a wrong with your friends oh uh, i know exactly who this is i'm not gonna so say my name but oh, yeah. uh uh yeah this is her alt and uh i am in fact not gonna say her name but that's hilarious and you will absolutely get called out for that kind of shit well i'm, I'm sure we'll we'll call her out in private uh but sex work is work so i mean do what you gotta do girl yeah well I mean, and, and to that note, you know, Brian, if you're, if you're still listening, um, big donations to my campaign are welcome. The max is $11,800, and, you know, we can talk. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hey, <laughs> sex work is work, man. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Consensual, and it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. Uh, let's see. These should be in order. I've been writing. Oh, they're going to be phenomenal. Are they still nine? Yeah, they're still nine. Let me refresh it real quick. I'll I'll double double check. But let's see here. Yeah, it's still nine. So, So the first one is Robert Spina. Oops. Yeah, Daddy. My name's Roberta, and I'm calling for a question to Thomas Queter. What would he recommend be a good dinner that I make for my hubby chubby bubby that I can infuse with marijuana? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever his favorite food is. Because you can infuse anything with cannabis. That's why it's such a good medicine. That was the, I would say that's the weirdest one, but it's not. Um, also, another one from Robert Spina, and I don't think, I think this is the one that he didn't mean to send, and it's probably going to be his dog falling over in the background. So let's see what this one says. 
does this thing work? Hello? <laughs> uh, it's obviously not working. It can't hear me. Oh, fuck. My dog fell over. <laughs> what is this app? What is this? Hello? Is this bootleg? Bootleg, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, this is obviously not working. Boomer. Oh my god. Alright, so hopefully Sean Hickman will save us here. Um, oh dear. <laughs> excuse me, you're watching everybody. <laughs> The most adorable Eskimo on the internet, by the way, folks. Eskimo Libertarian. Well, I mean, there's only like six Eskimos in Alaska, and there's only like 20 people in Alaska, so. Right, but she's the only one that has the chubby cheeks of justice. The chubby cheeks of justice. That should be a new segment of her show. (laughs) Oh, God. All right, let's see what Sean says. I wanted to ask Thomas Queter if he is planning to represent the Lollipop Guild. You know what? Find me a field of poppies and I'll consider it. <laughs> the Lollipop Guild. All right. So we've got we've got five from Cajun and then one from a Connie Keller. Well, let's go with Connie first. And then uh, we'll go to the insanity of that. That is the Cajun Libertarian. Hi, Chris and Will. I just wanted to see what it feels like for you guys to have on the best guest ever. That's Tom for 52.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. He also has the most epic Libertarian beard, I must say. Right on. I love Connie. Yeah, Connie's awesome. Also, we have a question in the comments if you would like to answer this. It is from the Eskimo Libertarian. Hey, Thomas, do you live in the district that you want to represent? Um, For now, yes, but it's redistricting, so they may be trying to cut me off, which would make me have to move, and I can still run for it legally, but I would have to move if they've, you know, we've seen instances in New York where they actually just curve out a little bit from the side to, to take a certain candidate out of the district. That's awful. That's that's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. All right, let's let's uh, let's get on with these. These will uh, be guaranteed to be interesting. I sense your hesitance. Yeah, it's it's always interesting. He's got five of them, and it's hard telling how far down the rabbit hole we go with these. But there's five of them from the Cajun Libertarian. For the record, if you not get caught, find out tomorrow on my clubhouse chat through the club, Tom for 52.com, but spelled out D-O-T, com. Um, find me there. Uh, bootleg is usually around. 
And of course, Cajun Libertarian is almost always there. Um, where I discuss my travels to Florida and back um, for Revolution 2021, Breaking Ribs and the Law. Find out what I did in Florida for a week. That's awesome. Also, I had to cut that short because um, I don't know how good YouTube's algorithm is at detecting. Uh, he says there's a message at the end. I don't want to go back and play it because I'm fairly certain I've already gotten a strike for that <laughs> on YouTube. I think we know. Uh, think we know what song it was. Yeah. All right. We're gonna go on to the next one. Music. just like to point out that Cajun does understand the concept of karma. <laughs> he entered into that contract willingly. Also, um, Cajun also does know Thomas in a, in a very serious way, and uh, it's all for good fun, and somehow this has turned into the roast of Thomas Queter, so. You kind of feel bad that you had to qualify that, to be honest. <laughs> Oh god, we've got we've got three more. Let's just power through it. You dropped your popcorn onto the floor. I reached down to help you pick it up. But you said you'd get it yourself, so you pulled yourself down on the floor. It got weird because you couldn't get back up. So I danced while you laid there. Dance while you lay there, dance while you lay there with popcorn in your hair. Dance while you lay there around your chair with popcorn in your head. And thank you, Thomas Queer, for running for the 52nd District of New York. State Tom for fifty two dot com T O M F O R five two dot com. <laughs> oh, that guy. He is he's special, isn't he? I think most of us know a little quick and become special in our own way. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, for, those of us, for those of you who don't know, um bootleg Cajun uh, Eskimo, myself, and a bunch of other people regularly interact, and the jokes do fly constantly. Mine are better, though. Thomas is special. <sighs> Two more, and it's the same guy. 
So it's hard telling how many strikes I'm going to get this episode. I'll probably not be on YouTube after this, so you'll have to go to anchor.fm to, to listen yeah, he's just to trying this. to get completely demonetized. That's what it is. He's trying to get me nuked off of everything. So let's just go with it. We're already here. Why not? did have the creepy feeling that he had a thing for me. <laughs> All right, last one. So since uh, disabilities happens to be the topic right now, um, I might as well bring it up. I took a call about an hour ago. Uh, Wiz Williger connected me with a gentleman uh, who his wheelchair was actually run into by a car in parking lot twice. And he needs a new chair. And so I'll be working with him and uh, potentially my contacts on Clubhouse Wake, wake, boot, wake, uh, to see if we can raise him the money he needs for his share. His solution is, is much easier than mine, uh, and, and the, the cost is roughly the same. And I, I really think we can do it. Um, to that note, uh, what, what Cajun just said there, uh, tomfor52.com backslash FTG, you need to go there right now. If you're going to Reno next year, you need to go there right now and buy a pair of socks. You cannot get into the fundraising party being thrown by somebody else um, without a pair of Tom for 52 socks. Like it is a toga party, but you have to have Tom for 52 socks to get into the best party of the year at the national convention in May. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the socks are required for men uh, for, for obvious reasons. There's an anatomy uh, requirement um, there. Oh no! I think we need to be equal about this. They need to be required for women as well. I don't care where they wear them. <laughs> oh my lord! This episode has been just—it it was going. It looked professional. It looked great, and then 
here comes the wrecking ball known as the Cajun Libertarian. So, whatever, man. It's good. It's, it's always well, if, you want to, if you want it to be more professional, um, I will plug that uh, Cato reached out to ask me to write an article about libertarianism and disabilities because it, it's always a hot topic when it comes up with people who don't understand libertarianism. So that'll be no Cajun. I told you when you asked me to see if we could get those made, my guy said that was not an option. You'll have to sell, settle for the Speedo, which you have already committed to wear in Pennsylvania. It's public. Cajun Libertarian has committed to wearing a Speedo with my face on it in Pennsylvania this September. Karma. <laughs> <laughs> So um, that article will be coming out soon. Um, organic fundraising for the campaign has already started. Uh, thanks to people like Bootleg um, on Clubhouse. So it, it's pretty cool. But we, we do have a lot of fundraising goals. Um, I've been taking a lot of candidate and campaign training. I've been learning how to save money on campaigns without losing efficiency and effectiveness. And um, we're, we're trying some things that are innovative. Well, well, um, sticking to what we know works as well. So, you know, every dollar counts. Go to tomfor52.com. You see it scrolling across the bottom. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. And, uh, you know, hit that donate button. Five bucks is five bucks. Um, you know, at least you know I don't lie. I've never been accused of rape. You know, here we are. Um, I am not Cuomo, and I am in New York. Stop bad policy where it starts in states like New York by supporting candidates like myself and Larry Sharp. Big facts. Anything else you would like to plug here, Mr. Queter? No, I'd just like to remind everybody to uh, get on the Clubhouse app, look for the club, tom452.com, dot is spelled out D-O-T, join up. We have a discussion every every Saturday at 8. Sometimes it's a policy-related discussion. Sometimes it's a general discussion. Sometimes it's just a discussion about something that I've done, like tomorrow is a discussion of my trip to Florida and back, where you can learn about me breaking ribs and the law in Florida. Well, <clears throat> Mr. Quitter, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to come and hang out with me. Um Usually my co-host isn't here, but he's on, uh, I think they launched him to Mars or something, so he, he'll be back next week. But uh, Well, I appreciate you having me, Bootleg, and, and I also appreciate you not being shit-faced. Good job. Well, it's not without a lack of trying. Wow. <laughs> the night is young, is it not? It is very young. But uh, with that, I will say... Adios, and one last thing. There will be an after-party clubhouse room on Clubhouse. So if you would like to ask Mr. Thomas Queter from Tom52.com another question, head on over to Clubhouse after the show and ask that question. Absolutely. And we can can help direct you to the Tom52.com club while we're in there. Absolutely. Tom, I'll see you in a few. I appreciate you, bub. Thanks again. See ya. So, 
closing remarks. Um, we're all ableist and we just absolutely choose to bully a guy in a wheelchair because that's just the kind of bad people we are. But go on over to Tom52.com, donate, sign up to volunteer if you can, give all the money that you have. <clears throat> I know last week, Travis Johnson, you emptied your bank account for him. Do it again this week for Thomas Queter because there's no way we win elections without money. Um, and we don't have the super PACs that you see with the left and the right, the Republicans. So it comes down to people like you who pour out their heart and their wallets for a guy with upside down feet. And uh, she's still at it, working hard in the comment section to live the life that she wants to live. Good Lord, I don't know what I am anymore. Anyways, like, subscribe, follow, share, comment. Um, if you comment just the way uh, Brian and T. Marie have done, I will. It's fine. I won't block you. Do what you got to do, girl. Brian, get you some. Keep on keeping on. And always remember, find us on... Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you can find your podcasts. Because just like crackheads, we are everywhere and we know nothing. With that being said, um, next week we will do all three shows. Uh, the News Broadcast, Veterans Podcast, and Not A Real Libertarian Podcast. We uh, had some conflicting things that came up this week. <clears throat> we weren't able to do them, but we will offer all three of our mediocre shows next week. Go check out From Bayous to Igloos on the Muddied Waters Media at 9.30 Freedom Time, 8.30 Central Commie Time. I would say Commie Time, but Russia is not in the United States yet, so it's Central Commie Time. Um They've got an interesting show. Uh, the Eskimo Libertarian is going to be talking about some really good things. She's done some really good notes. And then her uh, charity case that's on the show with her, some some weird guy with a, with a strangly beard worse than mine. Um, he'll be on there too. She gets a tax write-off every time she takes him somewhere. Um, <clears throat> rem- oh, oh, last, last, last thing. Don't, don't. Don't do it. I know you're trying to. But uh, we are looking for ad sponsors. We have more slots available. If you're looking to sponsor the show, um, you want me to brutally abuse your product week after week after week, <clears throat> I will do that as well. Um, I am a charitable woman. She very much is. Um, Mr. Alex Flores says he wants a sponsor. Well... If you are like Mr. Alex Flores and you want to sponsor this this show, um, I will abuse the hell out of whatever product or business or whatever you've got going on. Um, just reach out to the show on Facebook at Not A Real Libertarian. Just hit the message button and uh, we'll set something up. It's not hard. It's not expensive. We're cheaper than most. Uh, and that's what she said. One final piece of advice which is there's two things that last forever. 
Firearms. And Wu-Tang. Love you. Be free. And good night. See you later. Yeah, Daddy, my name's Roberta, and I'm calling for a question to Thomas Queter. What would he recommend be a good dinner that I make for my hubby chubby bubby that I can infuse with marijuana? Yeah.